Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, Managing Editor at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined on the podcast this week, as always, by BizTimes Editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how are you doing? Good. It's a beautiful September day in Wisconsin, so this is the best time of the year to live here. Enjoy it while you can. It will be chilly and frigid and white stuff will be flying before you know it. I hesitate to even bring it up. Let's uh, let's dive right in, Andrew, to our Insider Story Spotlight. This is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes Insiders. If you are already an insider, thank you very much. We really do appreciate that support. It helps make our work possible. If you're not an insider, consider subscribing. You'll get access to all of our stories on our website, discounted admission to some of our events and other benefits. So please do consider that. It's the equivalent of $9 a month. Go to biztimes.com, click on the subscribe button and support our work. Andrew, what's your insider spotlight story this week? Uh, The one I picked is we had a story about the sale of the Fairfield Inn Hotel in downtown Milwaukee, sold via a sheriff's auction to a company in Atlanta, a a hotel company in Atlanta. It was an interesting situation that um, Fairfield Inn, this hotel was actually closed for about a year between spring of 20 and spring of 22, or I mean 21. And obviously, you know, obviously that was pandemic related and obviously that was not good at all for the hotel's business. And not surprising that ends up being you know, a foreclosure situation. The, the hotel, there's a foreclosure action on the hotel in 2020. And now here we are seeing a sheriff's sale. This is sort of a under the radar situation, I guess. And it really wasn't a lot of public knowledge about this hotel being in foreclosure and it's a, it's in a crucial location you know it's not one of the premier hotels in downtown Milwaukee but it's right there at the corner of Wisconsin Avenue and and King Drive formerly known as Old World 3rd Street you know, it's right across the street from the avenue formerly known as the Shops of Grand Avenue now now redeveloped you know it's in that west town neighborhood where there's all kinds of exciting development happening from Milwaukee Tool coming in with an office, the Avenue, as I mentioned, um, the new Milwaukee, uh, Bradley Symphony Center, the Deer Districts in Westtown, a lot going on. The Convention Center is being expanded. So, so much happening in that area. And here we have this hotel. It doesn't get a lot of attention. It's in an old building, um, but it's, you know, a solid brand and uh, our flag. And um, now we have a new owner, and it'll be interesting to see what the new owner does here. Certainly, yeah, I think, and we're efforting uh, finding out a little bit more there. So uh, we'll switch over to my Insider Story Spotlight this week, and it is one I wrote uh, today on Friday um, on data coming out from, well, it's the FDIC, but kind of analyzed by the Wisconsin Bankers Association. We get quarterly updates on the kind of the health and performance of banks in the state and uh, a pretty positive picture coming out of the second quarter. Banks saw their total uh, loans and leases or net loans and leases up about 5.8% from the first quarter, about 8% up from the year before. 
um, growth in farm loans, which was um, maybe a little bit worrisome in some ways. Uh, the WBA noted that last few years with some stimulus packages and strong balance sheets, um, farmers are kind of able to you know, finance their own expenses a bit more, uh, leaning maybe more on borrowing as you get inflation and fuel costs, mm-hmm. fertilizer and other things. Uh, on the other hand, commercial and industrial loans were up uh, about 7.8% from the first quarter, uh, which is, you know, encouraging that the, the WBA noted that, you know, maybe some of the supply chain and worker shortage issues had led to less investment in the first, you know, part of the year. And that kind of seemed to have eased a little bit and people were investing more. Um, so that's good. Um, and the other good piece of news the um, amount of non-current loans and leases was down from the first quarter, about 11%, um, which as we kind of went through the spring, you had this ramp up of worries about a recession, you had ramp up of you know inflation and all those things. You'd think you might see a corresponding um, uptick in the number of people falling behind on their loans, um, but we're not seeing that at least through, you know, this be through June. And the deposits at banks were pretty flat. So people aren't, you know, draining what they have in savings um, to deal with inflation, at least not yet as of, you know, the second quarter. Um, so it kind of goes to, and we realize that we have the low unemployment rates that we do. Um, maybe not surprising that people are still generally financially healthy, even as inflation takes a bite out of people's paychecks and all of those things. But the financial picture coming out of banks, at least, isn't maybe overly concerning, considering maybe what our, some of our perceptions are of where the economy is at. Yeah, you know, it, this kind of goes back to the, the ongoing debate of are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? You know, we, we saw the first two quarters of the year negative GDP. So you've got people screaming, well, that means we're in a recession which is actually, you know this better than me, but, you know, it's like a layman's definition. That's not the official recession definition. There's some, and just some committee that reviews yeah. the data and officially declares recessions or not. And what's fanned the debate is the mixed picture that, while yes, GDP went negative for two quarters, and yes, inflation is a big concern, the worst we've seen since the early 80s, and obviously everyone's feeling that, but there's a lot of other signs and, you know, stock market's down. That's a concern. But a lot of other f- things going on in the economy that are healthy, particularly the labor market. I mean, the labor market is so strong. That doesn't look like a recession at all. And then you see this report that you're talking about. And especially the number that strikes me is that, you know, the, the fact that we haven't seen, you know, loan, loan, loan delinquencies becoming a problem. Um, the fact that that's a strong sign is really, really interesting to me as a really good sign. Yeah. So it's the Business Cycle Dating Committee of the National Bureau of Economic Research. That's a mouthful for you. They're <laughs> the ones that that determine, you know, the official recession. Um, they kind of look at it in terms of, you know, duration, spread across the economy and depth. Um, how do you know how deep the downturn is, or the kind of criteria they're looking at to 
determine, you know, when we are officially in one or not. And they'll, they'll tell us probably, you know, after we've been in it for a while. Um, so it is what it is that's in terms of actually declaring it. So, uh, yeah. I mean, the but, fact that just getting back to, you know, the fact that non-current loans, um, that's actually a, a decrease according to your report. Um, man, that is a very strong sign. Like you said, you would think the opposite if we're in a recession. So that's very, very interesting. Let's keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Well, let's turn to our big story of the week. Um, and it's certainly a sad one for the state of Wisconsin. Um, we got news on Sunday, actually, uh, that Herbert Kohler Jr., probably one of the most iconic business leaders in the state and led and transformed the Kohler company um, that his grandfather had started. He died uh, Saturday at the age of 83. Um, Kohler, obviously the company known for uh, plumbing fixtures and they make generators and power equipment and bathtubs and all sorts of different things, uh, but then also has the hospitality division with golf courses and the American Club. So certainly sad news in the world of Wisconsin business. Andrew, you had a couple of chances over your course of your career to interview Herb Kohler. Um, and we, you posted a story uh, this week uh, reflecting on one of those and, and kind of pulling out some details from it. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but maybe just what are some of your initial thoughts on hearing that news this week that Herb Kohler had passed away? Yeah. Um, and I, Earlier in my career, I worked at the Sheboygan Press. So, and that's 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 the Kohler Company. That's where they live, Sheboygan County. That's their backyard. And so, has followed the Kohler Company for years and before I came to the Biz Times. Um, so, really very familiar with him and, and the company and what what they've been up to. Um, yeah. I, my, the opportunities I had, I, I had two lengthy interviews with him, which were not easy to get. And um, because it was such a big time company, one of the biggest in the state um, and just a global, global leader in their field. And um, he was one of the most interesting and impressive people I've had the opportunity to interview in my career, you know, my 25 year career. And um, so I, you know, it's, it's, it is a huge loss and it was, but I was so grateful for the opportunities to the, the interview you spoke of that I did in 2007 with him for our publication was just an opportunity to sit down and pick his brain about his business philosophy. And there were a lot of interesting things that came out of that, but, you know, looking at what he did to the company, you know, he got, you know, he, this was a big, well-established company when he got involved after graduating from college in the, in the 60s, and he came to leadership in the 70s. Um, but he took it to new heights, and he really transformed it from, this is a company that manufactures plumbing fixtures, I think people, you know, toilets, sinks, you know, people th- think of these as, you know, kitchen and bath appliances, very utilitarian. He saw these things as things that could be of high style and design and, and of luxury. And frankly, they had an influence on the whole industry of, 
of how kitchens and baths are designed now, but Kohler Company is now a luxury brand, you know, premier, best of the best for what they produce. But that became the guiding vision for the whole company. And so not just plumbing fixtures, but the generators and they have a furniture division and and the hospitality division. And the hospitality division he created. Um, the American Club was a building where immigrant laborers for Kohler Company lived. I think it was built in 1918. So it's this beautiful brick historic building that in the late 70s, they weren't using it for that anymore. And they were trying to figure out what to do with it. And they had had some studies done, but it's his idea and really his alone to create a you know five diamond, five star luxury resort. And a lot of people thought that was a terrible idea. And his own board of directors adamantly disagreed with him, did not want to do that, but he had the vision to do it. And he stuck and he just persisted with it. And he realized that a lot of people thought, well, who's going to go to a luxury resort in Sheboygan County, you know, the land of the bratwurst. Well, he realized that if you create, it's like, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. If I create something that's so outstanding, it will be a destination. And indeed the American club became a destination. And then when he saw the people coming, we're looking for places to play golf and we're asking, how come you don't have a golf course? And we're playing at other golf courses in the Sheboygan area. Then that led him to building golf courses, first Black Wolf Run and then Whistling Straits designed by, you know, legendary course designer, Pete Dye. And again, it was, it's this idea of doing things which was his vision to do things best of the best. These are some of the best golf courses in the world. I mean, they're, they're regularly ranked as some of the top golf courses in the world. They've attracted major professional championship events, culminated with the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits last year. And that completely changed the image of Wisconsin as a golf. No one thought of Wisconsin as an international golf destination. Uh, they do now because of, the golf courses Kohler built and other golf courses that since followed like Aaron Hills and Sand Valley. Mm-hmm. So that's the wide spread ranging influence he had on that company and, and, and on the state, um, state of Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, Gary D'Amato over at Wisconsin.golf is longtime golf journalist in the state, you know, had that in his kind of, uh, remembrance of Herb Kohler um, saying quite possibly there is no Aaron Hills. There's no Sand Valley and kind of no reason for golfers from, you know, all over the world to come visit Wisconsin uh, without Herb Kohler. Yeah. So uh, we'll include a link to, to Gary's piece, uh, which includes an interesting story about um, Mr. Kohler trying to fish a golf ball out of the water. Um, yeah, it's, it's good uh, stuff. It's really good stuff. So, um, I mean, that, that interview you did in 2007, Andrew, you know, there's, you know, a lot in there. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's got a, some, some kind of classic biz times, um, content that it's, it's talking about, you know, the how of, of running a company and the, yep. and, and a reader can, even if you're not running, well, you know, what that point was a five point something billion dollar company you can draw on the lessons of what this person's saying and apply them in your own, you know, business. And you, the, the commentary ran this week, it was under the headline of the wisdom of Herb Kohler. 
So curious, you know, what, what was maybe the piece of wisdom from that interview that stood out most to you? Um, there's a few different things, but I think the, the one that jumps to my mind um, the most is, uh, you know, a line that he said, he said, um, if we produce smiles, we've done our job. He, he talked about, he talked about, we are trying to produce smiles. And that was an interesting way of putting it when, okay, you're a big manufacturer with plants all over the world and you're making plumbing fixtures and you're making furniture and you have a hospitality division that makes as a world-class resort and world-class golf courses. And so you think of, well, they make these things and they, and people come to play golf and he says, we're in the business of producing smiles. And again, it kind of gets back to that. Everything they did was just the best and or, or that they do to this day. Uh, you know, it's, it's first class. It's uh, best of the best, that kind of approach. Um, and his vision, his view was, it, this should be such a positive, the, the customer should have such a positive experience, no matter what product or service we're providing, that, that they smile, that they, they smile because of the experience they're having with our product or service. And not only that, when they think back years later about their experience with our product or service, they smile at the memory of it. So his idea of we produce, we need to produce smiles. You know, you think of that the famous, the iconic TED talk, um, what's our why? That's sort of the colder, that's, that's the colder why really is, is this idea of producing smiles. You know, another phrase he, he would use was gracious living that he, you know, what, what, what they were trying to provide to their customer was experiencing gracious living. Um, and again, whether that's you're at the American club or you're using one of their high quality products in your home. Um, that was what, what they were trying to provide. So, you know, it's kind of his vision of quality, quality above all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The line, our mission is to raise the level of gracious living of everyone touched by our products and services. Um, and it was interesting later in the interview, you asked him, okay, what's your vision for you know, the future of Kohler company? Um, which, you know, you'd think the response might be kind of about, um, oh, we're going to build this new golf course over here, or we're going to do this new thing in, in plumbing fixtures, or, you know, who knows what kind of he, elsewhere in the interview, he talked talk about, you know, he, what he brought was ideas and kind yeah. of new, new concepts. You'd think he'd have all these big visions. And he said, my future, my vision for it is actually pretty minimal. And I'll, and the reason he gave that his vision for the future was minimal was he was focused on the mission and kind of guiding principles, um, which go back to that, you know, raising the level of gracious living and producing smiles and those things. And if you're focused on that, um, then, you know, you should be in good shape. You don't have to worry about what's the future. If you focus on the mission that you've defined for yourself, um, you'll be in good shape, but you and I were chatting before this and um, it's all well and good to, to talk about being focused on the big mission. But, you know, we thought there's stories from the, when the, the various golf courses were being built and he's working with uh, the architect Pete Dye and they're, you know, arguing over, you know, where, what tree should be left and what tree should not be left. And then very, very down to the detail. Yeah. There were great stories that I can remember being in Sheboygan hearing about these things. 
Um, yeah, it's so interesting that he talked about being focused on the vision, which sounds very, very big picture. But he had an, you know, he had an eye for detail. And he would, he had a reputation of being a micromanager for some of these things. Like you're talking about arguing with Pete Dye about trees, or I, I had heard a story at, at the American club that he was unhappy with some wall that had been put up and he demanded to be torn down and redone. I mean, it was just attention to detail. And again, if you're, you're in the business of providing, you know, a luxury experience, very high quality uh, products and services to your customers. And those, those details really do matter. And so he paid it. So he had an eye for detail an eye for design, you know, uh, seeing, you know, a, a toilet can be a luxury item can be a beautiful thing. He could, he had an eye for design and eye for beauty and eye for detail. Um, but also that grander vision of what the, the, a focus on that grander vision of what the company is, is trying to achieve and make sure that everyone's pushing towards the, the guiding principles mm-hmm. because that above all is what's going to produce, uh, success. Certainly. Yeah. The, the Gary D'Amato piece has a reference about, uh, that he apparent that Mr. Kohler apparently personally taste tested hundreds of recipes for the terrapins that became the signature chocolate pieces at the, um, the shops that would like, um, you know, so that, that's tough work, you know, test, taste <laughs> testing hundreds of. Yeah. Well, you hear, you hear stories how he'd be delighted in, he delighted in testing the company's products. So whether it was, you know, a bathtub or a golf course or a hotel or a chocolate, um, and uh, I, I can remember when they were opening the, when they were, when they started that chocolate line and then started the, the cafe that they sell those in at the shops of Wood Lake. Um, he loved to be in the middle of trying all that stuff. And then he, he, he had a reputation for enjoying seeing the customer uh, have those experiences and, and, and delighting in their, in their positive experience. Mm-hmm. One final thing you asked him about, you know, if he envisioned his children running the company, obviously this interview was in 2007 or so. Um, yep. Seven. And, and his response was, which, you know, now his son is, is running the company, but his response was if, and I underline if they are capable, um, and no, you know, he's got three children that are, are reasonably intelligent and love to work and feel passionate about this company. Um, but just any reflections on, on that kind of the succession planning piece of this? Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it's, it's such, it's such an iconic family business. As you mentioned, his grandfather started the company, you know, he took the reins um, after his father, Herb Kohler senior had run it. Um, he had, uncles who had run the business um so different yeah different members of the Kohler family had run it for all these years and so the assumption was well the next person's going to be a Kohler and you've got kids so they're they're in line to be next right I mean that's that's how you do things and and he also talked about how you know proud and how important it was that they were privately held he said, we have an advantage as a privately held business over companies that are publicly held and worried about their shareholders or companies that are owned by private equity and have a lot of debt to deal with. So that was a key strategy for them being privately held. But that didn't just mean the business was automatically going to get passed on 
the leader that his kids would be running the company in the future. He made it clear. He made it clear to me if they're capable, yes, but if and so David Cole had to prove himself to his dad. And 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 I know stories I've heard was that Herb, you know, he went to Yale and everything, but he had to prove himself as well that he wasn't necessarily even though at a very young age he ascended to leadership of that company um he had to prove himself as well so that's how one of the biggest family-owned businesses in the state how they that's how they do things certainly and it's like i said at the beginning i mean it's um certainly a loss for the wisconsin business community um i mean not a company without controversy obviously there's debate and lawsuits over their plans for their golf course. They've, you know, um, you know, at times have differences of opinion with their unions and different things, but, um, you know, certainly a giant of the Wisconsin business community and um, a loss for the business community as well. We will leave it there for this week on the BizTimes MKE podcast and the weekly debrief. We'll be back next week. Andrew, thank you as always for joining me. You bet. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.